This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. Busy week coming up, obviously. We will have the preakness for you. Not much of a field. Now a lot of newcomers. Uh, doesn't look like anybody from the Derby except the winner is going to be in the Preakness. Um, there have been some good reports about a couple of the newcomers, uh, especially those that will be represented by Cox and Baffett. Uh, we'll get to that. Does Mage have a good chance to win the second? Well, uh, let me give you a chance to get over to, to look over the field. Uh, he's going to need a pace in front of him. Uh, he's going to get a good trip because it's not a very big field, and this is going to be an easier race in that regard. Uh, but we'll see. It's good to see him in the race after last year. Very disappointing ever to have a Derby winner declare that he won't go to the Preakness as happened last year. We now don't have to deal with that. So Major has been training very well. Uh, they are very optimistic about his chances. And it would be nice to get a horse to the Belmont with a chance to win. That always makes it a heightened experience. There's no question about that. So we'll hope for that. And for those of you that were lucky enough to cash, uh, our pick of Mage, I hope you did, at 32-42 for the Mutual. And if you wheeled them, then uh, good for you because the exacta came back $330. And if you were smarter than me in using the 14 with everybody back and forth, which I should have done in retrospect, and uh, I'm kicking myself a little bit for. I didn't use the 14 enough in the third slot. That was a problem uh, because Mage was my best horse, the only horse I bet to win. I liked 14 for second. He just missed second by, you know, scant uh, amount, and... One jump past the wire was past the three-horse. But the three-horse ran a very good race. He's not running in the Preakness. Um, I think he's a, a turf horse. Uh, but the bottom line, uh, if you use them, then you could have made some very big scores in the uh, triple, in the exacta, in the uh, superfecta, uh, or the uh, five, if you're daring to play that. I think the five was some ridiculous number, like $150,000 or $147,000. So um, we'll see what we can do with the Preakness. The prices are going to be much smaller, as they always are. The Derby's always, always, every year. And I have always had great luck in the Derby. I have made a lot of scores in the Derby. Um, I have made very few scores in the Breeders' Cup in my life. Very few. Uh, that I can remember a couple of times, but not, nothing big. But I have been, uh, I've had a wonderful experience with the Derby on countless occasions. So um, I love the Derby as a betting race. Uh, it's a great betting race because everything is overvalued. I mean, you get a great price for everything. You get an exactor that makes sense to you 
and it comes back a big number. So uh, the bottom line is, uh, from that standpoint, it's a great uh, betting race. I think the best betting race of the year, uh, always. So we'll see what we can do with the Preakness later this week. And Mage is there, thankfully. We're on the Bet Rivers Network, as always. And for all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey. Play Sugar House in Connecticut. So whatever you need, just go to their uh, app uh, and you'll find everything you need for all your needs there. And the program, of course, always on the Bet Rivers Network and wherever you can find your podcast. All right, let's get to your emails. Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. The Knicks season over. We have our final four in the NBA. Boston, a sizable favorite over the heat after their uh, tremendous second half and Tatum's brilliant performance against the Sixers. And I tell you, you know, I've always been very hard on Harden. There he was again in Game 7. He's had a terrible career in Game 7. And uh, another disastrous game in Game 7 yesterday. Um, I don't think the Heat will win the series. I think they'll play well in the series. I don't think they'll win the series, though. And... I think the other series is an absolute toss-up. Neither team has lost a game at home. They're the only two teams that are undefeated in the playoffs at home, and they're both undefeated in the playoffs at home. And they both this year won the games at home in their matchup. This could very well be one of those series that goes back and forth with the home teams winning a lot of the games. Uh, I could see that being the case because there's big advantages uh, in both places, especially for Denver at home. Uh, We'll get to that, though. Uh, We'll do something on the NBA Final Four coming up, so stay tuned for that. Um, And I do think, like I said, uh, I do think that series is very close to a pick All right, let's get to the emails. We start with Patrick. I was disappointed to see the Knicks lose, but clearly they exceeded expectations this year. They did. Uh they barely need another score, clearly. Uh, it seemed like the only guy who could score or make plays was Brunson. Well, clearly, that's the case. Um, I, I'm not a Randall guy. Um, always been lukewarm on Barrett. Uh, he had a pretty good playoff, though. Uh, he didn't have a good game on uh, He didn't have a good game in game six, but he had, he had a good playoff overall. Ex- except for game one, Cleveland, and game six, uh, he, he, had, he had a good playoff. He did. I don't like Randall at all. Listen, I have visions of them getting somehow stealing uh, um, bridges from the Nets. I don't believe that could happen in my wildest dreams, but I would give them a lot for bridges. I mean, I love bridges. Uh, I think bridges is on the verge of being a big star. Um, And the Phoenix trade was a terrible trade, as you can tell. Um, Durant's not the same player, not even close. And uh, Bridges has become a star, and John's a good player. So um, there's some players out there. I, we can go through a list. There, there's a handful that, that would help, but they do need a second score with, with Brunson. Brunson played really well. Um, he's not a great player, but he's a very, very good player, and he's a very good leader. Um. Ryan emails, just wondering your thoughts on John Morant. Uh, now, remember, when John Morant was drafted, I loved him as the best player in the draft. Loved him. Okay. 
uh, I thought he was uh, head above everybody else. Uh, loved him in college, but I did not, did not realize he was going to be such a problem and really become a fool. I mean, he's he is throwing away superstardom with bro- with both hands as quickly as he possibly can, and he has made a mess of his career while having, you know, un unbridled talent. I mean, really an incredible amount of ability. But his off-the-field antics have just gotten to be utterly ridiculous and intolerable as they, as we learn, as we learn, and as we will continue to learn. They are intolerable. They cannot be accepted in any way, and it's not going to continue. Uh, he's going to ruin a very good thing, and he's going to throw away a lot of money. Uh, it's just sad to watch. It really is. Uh, Michael emails, how can anyone take the Yankees seriously if they send Schmidt to the mound? Agreed. They, they have got to get him out of the rotation. There's no question about it. The Yankees, uh, I've been waiting or would expect them to pull the trigger on a trade for a pitcher very soon. I don't think there's at least by very soon, meaning by the middle of June. I would think that will happen. I do think that will happen. Uh, both the Yankees and the Mets need starting pitching. There's no question about it. Um, if they want to have the seasons that they that they hoped, and the Mets need a lot more than that. Uh, they have miscalculated uh, completely. And the Yankees have gotten a lift, especially from Bader's return, and obviously Judge's return. So you get Judge back and Bader back and uh, get a lift from a couple of the other kids, and all of a sudden – but you have to jettison the dead wood on the Yankees and, and the Mets both. They both have players that they have to get rid of. Keith and Westchester, how, uh, given how unstoppable Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's sky hook was, why do you think other big men have not attempted to make this part of their shot making? Because the game has changed, Keith. Now big men play pick and pop. That's, that's what they do. They step outside. They play pick and pop game all the time. I mean, Jokic is a perfect example. I mean, he can step out and make a three. He's not an interior defender. He is a rebounder. He is a good offensive rebounder. He's got moves around the basket. But he is a guy who can go out and make a three, and he can make a a shot, you know, from 15 feet. He can make a shot from the three-point line. And uh, he obviously can, you know, play the pick-and-pop game very, very well. Um and he's an extremely talented player, but that, that's why. I mean, they don't look for those guys anymore. Now this year you have a guy coming in who it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize his talents because he's a generational talent, and he's a generational talent at an enormous size. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he's utilized. Mike from Chester, I know you're very close to Jay Wright. I think he would be the perfect fit to take the Knicks to the next level. I don't want to put that on Jay right now. Um, the Knicks have a coach. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, uh, if if something happens, would Jay Wright be a good choice? I think he would, especially with the Villanova presence they have on the team. But uh, I, I don't th- I don't think Tibbs is going anywhere. I really don't right now. Um, Frank and Ozone Park, the night coincide Korea, he said, uh, we needed one more thing. 
I'm glad he didn't sign him. But if he thought we needed one more thing, why didn't he go after the, the other bats that were out there? He should have. Listen, the Mets miscalculated, uh, read their roster very wrong, read their veteran players and their role players very wrong, uh, read their acquisitions very wrong. The Mets really screwed it up. They had a team that was very close. Now, the Diaz thing is not their fault. It's just a, it's just a run of bad luck. Um, but they made moves and spent a lot of money by overpaying for guys, starting with Lindor, who they overpaid for. They've overpaid for their own. They've put money in ancient superstar pitchers. Ancient. And they're not going to get their money's work. Right now, you'd be, hope, you'd be happy to get 50 cents on the dollar. And that's a sad commentary, but it's true. If you get 50 cents on the dollar out of Berlin Insurance, you're going to be happy. You're not going to get more than that. You're really not. They're not the same. You know, and I don't know if you would have thought they would be. Um, both the Yankees and Mets have made colossal mistakes in their rotations. We know that. Um, the Mets have not read their youth very well. They have not understood how to develop their youngsters very well. They should play Beatty and Alvarez and turn them into everyday players and let them just go. Let them play. We know they have other guys coming. Okay? Now is the time for them to make quick decisions about that talent and then understand what they need to go out and get. They have the ability to spend more money. We know that. They have spent money foolishly. We know that too. Okay? We know they have guys who are tearing up the minor leagues. We know they have young talent that is very impressive, okay? They need to understand and do a much better job on reading how to develop these guys and when these guys are ready. The Braves have done a wonderful job at that. with that. The Mets have done a terrible job at it. They have to do better in that regard. And they have to understand what guys they need to get rid of on their team. The Yankees and Mets came out of spring training carrying tons of dead wood. They have to rectify those situations. There's no way around it. They must rectify those situations. Problem, too, with the Yankees is the Yankees have live arms in their pen, but they do not have a closer. They're two different things. You can have a bunch of live arms. You can have a bunch of impressive arms. You can have a bunch of strikeout arms. You can have arms out there that miss bats. But the closer is something more. It's a mentality. It's a state of mind. It's a level of confidence that just doesn't appear. And they don't have that. They don't have that guy who understands, hey, I can close the game. The Mets have a guy who understands. The question is, does he still have enough ability to do it? He understands how to do it. 
And he's fearless. But, again, can he do it? The Yankees don't have anyone they can lean on every day for that job. They have, like I said, they have good arms. They just don't have that guy. So both these teams, both these teams still have the ability to get to the postseason. I'm going to do more on that later this week. I'm going to take a big look at both teams um, by at the latest Memorial Day and take a real big look on where they are. You know, always first time you really look is Memorial Day weekend. That'll be a good time to assess their chances and where they are and what they're, where they are for this season. They both have issues. They both have ground to make up in their divisions. We know that. They've dug themselves some holes. Is it insurmountable? Of course not. Plus, you know what? There's a lot of ways to get to the, you know, the Yankees are eight out and the Mets are five and a half games out. There are a lot of ways to get to the postseason. Now, there are avenues to the postseason now. You don't have to have the greatest season to get to the postseason now. And the Yankees' division, as you know, is 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 very is very good because Tampa's having a wonderful season and Baltimore is a very improved team with a terrific lineup. Toronto, you know, has plenty of talent and Boston, you know, is not bad. They've gone to a little dip here but they're still 3 games over 500. And Miami always gives the Mets trouble. Now, obviously, it's a different schedule this year, but they, Miami always gives them trouble. Phillies are going to get better, not worse, from here. Washington is not as bad as they were, and you know Atlanta is Atlanta. Even with a even with a losing streak, they're still ten games over five hundred, and they've lost four. Neither team is is any is out of it in any way, shape, or form. But they have work to do, and they have harsh, critical decisions to make. Roger in Riverdale. It's Tony Gwynn's birthday this week. Okay, I didn't know that. He's respected, well, I would say. But I'm not sure people understand how great a hitter he really was. I'd love to hear why you think he's been overlooked. Um... I don't think Gwynn's been overlooked. Gwynn's an interesting case in that he wanted a great contact line drive hitters ever. He had a 338 batting average in modern time. But when you look at it from there, for the most part, he played on a lot of bad teams. The idea of the game is to do what? score runs. In that regard, Wynn falls down for this reason. He didn't walk a lot, so his on-base percentage for a guy with a 338 batting average, 338 lifetime batting average, okay, his on-base percentage should be really high. 
his career on base percentage is in the 380s. That's good, but it's not great when you consider it for a guy with a 338 lifetime batting average. He didn't walk. He also didn't drive in runs. He drove him 100 runs once in his career. He didn't hit home runs. He only hit double-digit home runs twice in his career. And he didn't score a lot of runs. Now, part of that being often he was stranded in a bad lineup. But he still, despite being a stolen base guy, did not score a lot of runs, which is hard to figure. Because even on bad teams, guys could steal a lot of runs. You go look at what Tim Raines, how many runs he scored. You go look at Ricky Henderson, how many runs he scored. You go look at Mickey Mantle, how many runs he scored. And then go look at Mickey Mantle's on base percentage, 421 lifetime. Why? Because he walked. Why is Ted Williams the number one all time? Because he walked. And he hit high. He hit 370, 380, once over 400, and he walked. He hit 340 for his career, and he walked. Ruth walked and hit 340 for his career. That's why those guys were right there at the top. Bonds, Mantle, 421 lifetime. 421 is incredible and it was higher in the prime of his career when he was at the height of his career he used to get on base more than one out of every two times up he get he would have on base percentages in the fives ricky henderson's a 400 on base 401 lifetime and doesn't have a high batting average why because he walked based on balls are very productive. They get overlooked a lot of times in offensive things, but they shouldn't because they're very productive. You're on base. That's the idea of the game. The idea of the game is score a run. You know, that's it. Pure and simple. The idea is to score. Whether you knock it in, whether you knock yourself in, whether you score when somebody else knocks you in, the idea is to score. That's the name of the game. Produce runs. Win did not produce a lot of runs, despite the fact he sprayed the ball over the place and hit 338 for his career, which is a very in, incredibly impressive batting average. He was a great line drive hitter, wonderful line drive hitter. But in terms of producing runs, he wasn't, you know, as good as the 338 indicates. Not nearly. As we said, we get a lot to do this week. It's, you know, it's an interesting time in the next two weeks to take a big look at where the teams are, the Yankees and the Mets. They'll have played in the neighborhood of 50 games. That's a third of the season. It's a very good time to take an in-depth look on where they are, where the competition is, and how things stack up for the rest of the way. And what has to be done. So we will do that before Memorial Day with both the Yankees and, and the Mets. And look at what the current odds are, how they've changed from the start of the season to where they are now when we do it. You know, I, I also want to do something on 
the NFL schedule because I have very, very strong thoughts about the NFL schedule overall and the Jets and the Giants. So we will do something on the schedule. We obviously have the Preakness this week, so we will do that too. We'll try and see if we can duplicate. Don't look for another 30. I don't know if I'm picking major or not. I got to look at the field. At first glance, it doesn't look like there's a lot in there, although there's a lot of talk about about uh, Baffert's horse. Will he really turn out to be, you know, the horse everybody thinks he's going to be? Well, we'll see. A lot of people think so. You know, they always fear Baffert, and they should. He wins a lot of Triple Crown races. He really does. First mission, won the Lexington. They're high on him. He's going to be uh, one of the favorites in the race. I think National Treasure, which is Baffert's horse, will get bet significantly. Uh, Blazing Sevens may take a little money. He's been talked about before, but Mage is going to be the favorite. First Mission, National Treasure are going to get bet. Suge's put Perform in there. He supplemented Perform to the race. Suge would not have his connections supplement to the race unless he meant business. And Suge is a great horseman, not a good one, a great one. And if he thinks enough of a horse to put him in a classic, okay, he's not there to waste anybody's time, I promise you. So you want to take a look, a long look at perform because of the fact that Suge would not put that horse in there if he didn't mean business. The other new ones, um, I have no reason to fear or think a whole lot about, whether you're talking about Red Route 1 or Instant Coffee, Chase the Chaos, uh, Ilmer, Colo, any of them, okay? Um, I thought there would be a few more derby horses come back, but it just shows you how different it is now. Because what happens is the well-meant campaigners, meaning that the horses that entered the Derby that might not have run great or were off the board or even finished third, like, you know, like uh, Angel the Empire did. They have serious thoughts about where they want to go. And they are not going to, have the horse run two weeks after taking a lot out of them in the Derby. They are going to, some of them are going to look for the Preakness and you'll see Pletcher horses run back. Now we know there's some controversy now with Pletcher and Rapoli with Forte. I hope to get into that in the near future too. Um, when I get more information about that, um, I don't know if you'll see Forte down the road in the Belmont or not. But you might see one of the other uh, uh, Pletcher horses. Um, there'll be a couple of the Derby horses, horses will come back in the Belmont. You'll see a bunch of new horses come into the Belmont. And, you know, Mage isn't going to scare anybody off. But that doesn't matter. He's the only one that can take a shot at the triple. And I expect him to run well in this race. Does that mean he's an overwhelming favorite? No, it means he should be favored, but he's going to need the race to set up for him. He's going to need speed and 
he's going to need a pace to close into. That's all there is to it. Okay, he got a good pace to close into in the Derby and a, and a really terrific trip from uh, his jock. Really a very, very good trip. Made some early decisions that saved him. And then got him in a position to make his big move, and he did. So the bottom line is the Derby feels scattered pretty good. And it is unusual not to have any of the others in the in in the you know in the race. You know, in the old days you would get a D, a handful of them would run in all three. That doesn't happen anymore. It really doesn't. It just doesn't happen. It's just because they don't train horses that way. You know, the bottom line is most of these trainers give their big stock, their big horses, like their derby horses or the big stake horses. They give them six to eight weeks off between races. They don't race every two weeks and three times in five weeks. They don't race that way. That's why the Triple Crown is different. So we'll have a lot on that later in the week and a bunch of other stuff we have to do. So uh, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.